Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Well, good morning, Christ Community Chapel family. Great to see you. Welcome to those of you who are over in East Hall or joining us online. Um, I'm Mark, as you can see there. I serve in our men's ministry. A couple of things you guys are probably thinking. Number one is, holy smokes, how many guys had to be sick here for us to get to this guy? Um, I, I love being here. I love serving you. Um, it really, truly is a joy. Uh, a few years ago, I joined the uh, cult of Peloton. I don't know if any of you guys are part of that or not. But one of the things I love about it is as, as we get started in a workout or whatever, the instructor goes down through what's going to happen. And so I'm going to do that briefly with you today so that you know kind of where we're steering and going. And maybe for some of you, so that you can be reassured we're going to reach an end of this thing eventually. Um, Page 761 on the Bible in front of you is where we're going to be. You just heard Rima read Matthew chapter 6 to you. It was a great job she did. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for a minute, and then we're going to uh, move to Matthew chapter 4 and look at the temptation of Jesus, the first one. And then we're going to bounce back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I hope you will see why and that it will help you. Um, but I'm sure all of you are going, yes, a sermon on fasting. I'm so glad I came. Uh, you know, I want to tell you, this sermon was born out of a men's fraternity session that we did recently. And by the way, uh, greetings to you, my brothers that are part of men's frat. Um, thanks for helping me process this stuff. A lot of it is due to your questions and comments. But we talked about fasting because we were talking about the seven habits that are part of the uh, healthy Christian man's life. And we came to fasting and a couple of them said, Mark, first of all, don't assume I know anything. So I'm going to try the same thing with you guys. Fasting is the idea that you intentionally abstain from food for a period of time for the purpose of hearing from God more clearly, okay? So, uh, and by the way, some of you have done other techniques, fasting from social media, um, fasting. I, you're going to think I'm crazy. I, I am an extrovert. I love to talk. It reminds me that I'm alive when I talk. And sometimes I will fast from talking unless I'm spoken to. Um, and for me, that's a helpful thing. But specifically, what we're going to look at is fasting that is uh, abstaining from food, okay? Uh, now, we may, as a church, periodically call a fast and say to you, uh, hey, everybody, we want you to fast during this period. Or many of you uh, may have grown up Roman Catholic or something like that, so there were fasting days but you said, man, I, as part of Christ Community Chapel, I don't know that we have any specific fasting days. 
I'm gonna uh, walk us through it and then at the end of our, my time with you, I want you to consider actually integrating it into your life and hopefully I'll show you why. Um, and then there, I have three checkpoints because I was not allowed to pass the gate of coming and preaching a sermon unless I had three checkpoints. And this is what they are. I'm gonna say them. The technique of learning, you say it back to me. So we repeat it and you hear yourself say it. The first checkpoint is gonna be what we think we need. You're great at this. Secondly, what Jesus has. Thirdly, how we get what Jesus has. Good, so our three checkpoints, I, I hope to stop after each section and say okay. So number one, what is it we think we need? Number two, what does Jesus have? Number three, how do we get what Jesus has? Let's look at the first section. Um, and this is in Matthew chapter six, right there. Rima read it and when, <clears throat> when you heard it, Jesus says this. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Couple of things to acknowledge here. Number one, the very clear expectation by Jesus that we will fast. Okay? So some of you are going, Mark, I, that's not, I, I, don't, I don't know that that applies to today. I don't know that that's even really a good idea. I hope the irony is not lost on you that we reach the last day of the year. As Stacy said, we, we tend to look back, but we also look forward and we say, you know, and I don't care what you call it, goals, tweaks, resolutions, whatever. Um, some of you, many of us come in and say, you know what, I've been going in December through this season of feasting. All right, right outside of my office door is, I'm not making this up. Right outside of my office door is something the staff calls the calorie counter, okay? And in December, it's loaded up. If you guys sent us cookies, if Barb Benden made brittle, which by the way, if you know Barb Benden, you better, yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, and it's just, it's like December is one, it's, it's like it's, uh, it's like it's a land cruise is what it's like, all right? We are just eating all the time here. Um, so we come to, to the end of December and we say, hey, maybe it's a good idea to, uh, as I'm going forward into the new year, maybe I should intentionally abstain from food. And I would say, why? Why are you gonna do that? And you say, well, because I want to look a little better, I want to feel a little better. And my guess, if I unroll your thoughts a little bit, it's because you don't love the way you look and you think maybe other people don't love the way you look. Did I really just get a right? That was awesome. Can we get that on the highlight film? Be, um, so, 
one of the things I recognize immediately as we look at this issue, we say, okay, every one of us woke up this morning knowing that in so, at some point today or certainly tomorrow or at least by the third day, we better get something to eat. Well, maybe I should do a sub point to point one and say what we know we need is that we need to eat. We know that eating keeps us alive. But I think it's really interesting that even with the issue of eating, Jesus says there are those who will fast, who will intentionally abstain from food, and when they do it, what they end up doing is trying to make sure everybody knows they're doing it so that they can seem more spiritual. Now what point do I derive from that? Honestly, it's this, what we think we need is the approval of others. I think many of us wake up and we say, I, I don't know that I understand myself. I don't know that I feel great about myself. I, don't, I, I need to hear from others that I'm great. And incidentally, please walk carefully with me here. Encouragement certainly is not a bad thing. When we would take trips to the Dominican Republic. When I first got hired here, there was a guy serving part-time in student ministries named Joe Coffey. And they hired me in full-time so that he could go ahead and become the part-time assistant pastor to Pastor Jim College. And I'll let you do the math on when that was. But Joe mentored me in student ministry, and we went and took trips to the Dominican Republic. And one of the cool things he did on this trip that I ended up implementing into all of my mission trips later was this thing the last couple nights where we called it the circle of encouragement. And we'd take a student and put him in the middle of the circle, and the other students would say to that person what they saw in them, what they loved about them, nothing but showering them with words of encouragement. Some of you guys, your shoulders just relaxed, and you said, that's what I need every day in my life. I need people to remind me and tell me that I am valuable, that I am great, that I am seen. But I got to tell you, and I was part of that. I sat in the circle too. It was amazing. But when I woke up the next morning, guess what? I wasn't fixed. We desperately, what we think we need, here's our checkpoint, what we think we need is our daily bread, and that's true, and also the approval of others. But Jesus says, wow, with fasting, you, you've lost your reward. If, if you decide to abstain and you make sure everybody knows about hey, hey, you know, I'd love to go to lunch with you, but I'm fasting. Okay? Wow, I, that, that looks really good, but right now I'm fasting. That's your, your reward is what you think they think of you. So let's take time and say, okay, we, if that's true that we think we need that, let's look at Jesus for a few minutes. What does he have? And I, I stumbled across something um, just earlier this week that I ended up sticking in here. Call it bonus material, if you will. But before we get to chapter 4, so sneak back to Matthew chapter 4 with me. And before we do that, look back even in chapter 3. 
And listen to what the last couple verses say. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. (laughs) Some of you guys are going, yes. If I had that, I'd be great. If I could hear the voice of God, number one, taking away all my doubts about whether God existed, and then number two, having the message that comes from God be that I am his beloved child and he's well pleased with me. You're going, Mark, if you could do that for me, that's good. I'm good. Okay, I seen a t-shirt recently. It said, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> All right. Some of you have that t-shirt and need to get rid of it. And some of you need that t-shirt. Because what you struggle the most with is really believing that somehow, some way, you can be reconciled to God in such a way that he actually loves you, that he finds favor with you. I'm sneaking ahead a little bit, but let's say for Jesus, before Jesus even goes into this temptation in the wilderness, Jesus walks forward anointed by the Spirit of God, that theology blows me away, okay? And with the declaration that this is my son and I'm so, so pleased with him. Jesus got a pretty healthy self-esteem, I think, walking into the desert. So let's go ahead and look. In chapter four, it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and, and while he was there, he was fasting. It says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. One of Scripture's massive understatements. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that's all we're going to bite off to chew today, just that first temptation. And I want to ask you a couple things. Number one, Jesus was, was literally at the point of starvation, Okay, this is, a, this is an incredibly supernatural fast. I, I'm not being funny. I do not suggest any of you try to imitate a 40-day fast. Okay? But Jesus, led by the Spirit, goes into the wilderness and 40 days, 40 nights, he chooses to fast and he has reached utter starvation. The devil comes to him at this point and he tempts him with the idea of turning rocks into bread. Okay? Incident. So my first question when I look at this is I say, okay, would that have been wrong? Is it, would it have been immoral at any point in his fast for Jesus to say, you know what? Just looking over at a pile of rocks and he goes, that looks a lot like bread. 
and I have the power to make, and he makes bread and he eats. No. So that's not, there's no issue, no sin issue with the temptation there. It would be okay, it would have been okay for Jesus to do that. So then my second question is, why did Jesus respond to the temptation the way he did? Now I can tell you what I learned in Sunday school, and that was that when you're tempted by the devil, you come back with scripture, okay? So, but now I'm saying, wait a minute, that doesn't satisfy me because number one, what, did Jesus like learn this incantation in, in, in Hebrew Bible school? Like, okay, if the devil ever happens to show up to tempt you, say this verse and he'll go away. No, you know that. So then the question is, why, why, why did Jesus respond this way and why this particular verse? And this is what, this is the part I love. I absolutely love this part. And this is where we have to bounce to Deuteronomy 8. Okay, so go ahead, find it if you want to. I'll read it in a minute. It'll be on the screen. But let me ask you something beforehand. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's hungry. Does that sound like it parallels anything to you? Deuteronomy 8. Let's look there. Starting in verse 2 of 8, it says this, and this, is, this was commanded to the Israelites, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and he, led, he let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the reason that Jesus chooses, which by the way, the parallel here in Matthew is very clear, Matthew writing to the Jews, he parallels that Jesus, just like the Israelites went into the desert, into the wilderness, Jesus went into the wilderness. And when the Israelites went into the wilderness, they mumbled and groaned and said, we don't have any bread to eat. And God supplied their need when they had no idea how they would eat. He gave them manna. Jesus goes into the wilderness led by the Spirit of God. He fasts intentionally. He is, he is challenged by the tempter to supply his own bread. Jesus, the true son, does not grumble. He comes back with a response from Deuteronomy 8 that says, there's a purpose that God led me here. There's a purpose that I fasted, and that purpose is that God has reassured me that you and I do not live by bread, even though every day we take it, 
We live by the words that come from the mouth of God. We are, we are sustained, we are provided for. It is the very, the very moving of God himself that provides our life. Think of this for a minute. In the middle of his starvation, Jesus was absolutely in a state of total satisfaction with God because he knew where his life and ultimately our life was from. In some ways, this is like him looking at the devil and going, why would I make bread at this moment? Because it would actually, it, it would actually distract from the total satiation I have with God, with the total unity and perfectness I am in with God. I have been in, brought out in the desert. I am, I am humbled to the point of hungry. I am perfectly obedient, whereas all of Israel was not. So we say, what does Jesus have? Number one, he has the total favor of God. We saw it. Number two, he has total satisfaction with God. Jesus personally is at a place where he is in, in perfect alignment with God. And then number three, Jesus alone then, because of his obedience, because of his humility, only Jesus then can ultimately satisfy God. Do you see that? He has favor with God. Jesus alone is in total satisfaction. He experiences the satisfaction of God. Thirdly, only he can satisfy God. So then the question, I think, is, well, how do we then get what Jesus has? Because we could stop here and you go, Mark, that's great. Interesting history lesson. So glad for Jesus, but I need to know about me. I need to know that it really is possible to be uh, in, put back in exactly right relationship with God. That's, of course you do. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here. So how do we do it? Well, you know where the story began. It began last week, the, the miracle of the incarnation. And then you know where it's going to go, right? That Jesus is not going to stay in the wilderness by himself. He, he was not some monastic kind of Messiah. He's going to come back. He's going to live the, the real life inside the flesh, by the way, also susceptible to the same identity issues we are, but finding his identity with his relationship with his father and in perfect obedience. And because of that life, choosing then to go to a cross and die a criminal's death in such a way that it becomes meaningful for you and me. Not just symbolic, not just interesting, not just historical, but it in fact becomes life-changing for you and me because his death satisfies God, 
and his resurrection breaks the power of sin and death over our lives. That's a staggering, staggering truth. I, uh, there's a great hymn, Crown Him With Many Crowns. It's written in 1851. The, the last verse is, crown him the Lord of years, the potentate of time, creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime, all hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Thy praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. I don't know what size view you had of Jesus when you came in here, but I hope those words encapsulate our view of our Savior going forward into 2024. How do you get this? How do you get what Jesus has? Let me give just a quick story. I, I hope that it will be enough of a picture that it will create an understanding maybe a little better of what this transaction means. When I was a high school student, I went rafting down in Ohio Pile. Uh, great place, by the way. I mean, I'm not paid to endorse them or anything, but it is a really neat place. Fun rafting down there. Some of you guys have been there. In fact, I had... Well, never mind, you don't care about that part. Um, so on this rafting trip, and I'm a young kid, I think, drip, I think dripping wet, I weighed 132 pounds as a senior in high school. And uh, there was a girl I was trying to impress. Uh, I ended up in the raft with her and her friend and uh, me and my friend. Um, you know, we were supposed to listen to the instructions while they're telling us that rafting can be a dangerous sport. I was busy angling on how to get into the raft with her and her friend and me and my friend, and so I missed a lot of the instruction. I had no intention of going out of the boat because why would you? That's called swimming, not rafting. So we're rafting, having a great time. I'm, I'm worried about what other people think of me, refer back to point one of the sermon. Um, and while we're doing this, we head into one of the bigger rapids and all of a sudden the guides have a really concerned look on their face. They have guides like out on the side of the river and some on the rocks and this guy's like, turn, turn. And then the last thing I heard was get down. Again, first rafting experience, but I'm thinking that's not good. So sure enough, boom, I am thrown, I'm ejected from the boat. So now I find myself, and I love to swim, but now I find myself in a river that is absolutely taking me wherever it wants me to go. And I'm choking on water, I'm trying to remember the instructions, um, and, and honestly, I'm in the river long enough, I'm starting to think, is, am I gonna drown here? Because I can't do anything to save myself. And sure enough, this magical nylon yellow rope appears in front of me. And what I didn't know or realize at the time is there were guys who were, their very job was to stand on the banks and watch for idiots that get ejected from rafts. And they flung that, he, he flung that rope perfectly, it landed right in front of me, and I grabbed onto it 
and held on for life. And he dragged me to the shore. Uh, I, I told the first service, I'm really glad cell phones were not around then. I'm glad there was no video of me coming to shore because I'm sure I was just a blubbering, thanks, man, you saved my life, thanks, man. Um, and you did. And the reason that story has stayed in my mind so long is because of so many parallel truths with who Jesus is for us. I don't know where you are. You might be at a place where you feel pretty good about your life or you even feel pretty good about your own righteousness. But I can tell you that either now or at some point in your life, you will be in, in the river of life and it will take you wherever it wants you to go and you need rescued. How do you get what Jesus has? You acknowledge that you can't rescue yourself. You acknowledge that you need rescued. And you cling on to what God has offered you in Jesus Christ. That's, it, that's the gospel. That's the truth. That's the way. Now, let me, and I hope, that's our prayer for you, is first and foremost, if you're not there, you will be soon. For those of you who, are, who have said, I know, Mark, Jesus is my Savior. I'm clinging, to that, I'm clinging to that truth. Let me Let me challenge, let me encourage you. Would you think this year not, maybe even taking the discipline of abstaining from food, not for the purpose of your own glory, but as a tool that helps you to listen to God. That's, that's going to be where we're going this year. We're heading into a year where we want to listen and hear from God. Next year, my hope is that you will say, I have heard more clearly from God about who he is and about who I am. And I hope that even the practice of fasting will help take you there. Pray with me, would you please? Father God, you have been gracious by preserving your word and bringing it to us. Uh, your spirit has been incredible by enlightening our hearts and quickening our minds to what you have to say. And now, Father, I pray certainly that we would respond even through the simple act of communion, recognizing the complete truth of the gospel, but also that we would be more and more reliant on you, recognizing that everything we are, our very existence, is not because of, of what we eat, but because life flows from you. So we give you praise today. In Christ's name, amen.